Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crime Library, another true crime podcast where me and my co-host will delve into some true crime novels for you guys. I am Sarah. And I'm Jesse. And this week, we're going to be covering In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Which we just Googled six times how to say. <laughs> I'm sure we were saying it wrong. <laughs> I did have something I wanted to tell you right at the okay. top of the book. There is a tagline. Did yeah. you see that? Oh, here? Yeah, and you were so mad about uh, I'll Be Gone I, in the Dark. <laughs> tagline. Mine just says In Cold Blood. <laughs> uh, there is a tagline. It's a true account of a multiple murder and its consequences. Okay. My I book just said instantly it. started giggling when I saw it because I was like, oh, Sarah's going to hate it. Oh, yeah. On the t- title page, I see it. But on the actual cover, it's just in cold blood. And then did you read the dedication? For uh, Harper Lee and his lover. And his lover. I was so yeah. surprised. Well, I mean, I wasn't like surprised because I knew. Oh, is that what you were surprised about? Uh, no, th- that's different. Okay. There's a oh. twist that I haven't told Sarah yet. So I was we're like- going to get into that. <laughs> But, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jack Dumpy, I had to Google their entire thing because can you imagine them being out in that time period? Yeah, I know. Just the from 60s. the writing of uh, Truman Capote's words in this book and how like fifth, how blatantly 50s everything was. And then yeah. he moves there. Did you know that? He moved to Kansas. Right, because he like spent like six years working on yeah, this book. Yeah, so he's living in Kansas, being this, I'm guessing, openly out <laughs> gay man. He's like in Bible Belt. Yeah, exactly. I can't even. It's, it's interesting. We talk about the amount of churches in that town, and it's like a small town with a thousand churches. Which when I think There's about- only 100 people, but there's a thousand churches. Yeah, well, <laughs> we know because we grew up in a very small yeah. town and, well, not grew up, but went to high school in a small town in North Carolina. But that's where I think the Bible Belt is. And apparently my geography, because I did go to Ridgeland High School, is all <laughs> off because I didn't think of Kansas for some reason as being in the Bible Belt. But it makes sense when I looked it up yeah. <laughs> where it actually is. But yeah. I looked up Jack Dumpy. He was actually married to a woman. And mm-hmm. Truman Capote was, like, apparently friends with this woman's sister. I don't know how they all got together. But he was – him and this woman were um, – they starred in the Broadway version of Oklahoma together. Like, there, oh, there's a lot of stuff that makes sense, kind of clicks into the how he ended up with Truman Capote later in life. But <laughs> – and then I learned that – they weren't even actually together at the end of Truman Capote's life. Even though he left him all of his stuff, they had separate homes. Yeah. Like, they weren't in an active relationship. And they're, like, aren't they, like, buried next to each other? Yeah. They're, I mean, I guess, like, they had so much love for each other. That must be yeah. it. But they had, they had a separate thing going on it's very it's too mature for me because <laughs> there is no way in hell it's also just been a lot about companionship and that's true yeah i understand that like you said being in that time period yeah going oh, through all that sure. together yeah exactly it might have just been comforting just having someone to go through it with um i guess but i would burn that shit down there is no <laughs> fucking way you would get any of my book money anything you would you'd have to live alone and destitute. <laughs> I'm so petty. I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, if I die, you're not allowed to be happy. 
you can't. Beyond the grave petty. Like, <laughs> that's how far my petty carries. And then I didn't know him and Harper Lee were childhood friends. That I knew because I am a Harper Lee stan. So. Which is awesome because our next book is going to be about Harper Lee. So that's yeah. great. But because To Kill a Mockingbird they... like, loosely based on Harper Lee's life. And the character in To Kill a Mockingbird is based on Truman Capote. I didn't know that. Truman Capote. Capote, Capote. Capote. I'm just going to say Capote. That's completely not even what we thought it was. Truman Capote used to go visit his aunt in the summer in Mississippi. Oh. Where Harper Lee lived, so. Uh, like, in Mississippi, all these people are popping up with just great literary skills. Right. I right? just want to be, like, <laughs> I want to be blessed with where they grew up. <laughs> I no, you don't. <laughs> okay, no, I don't. I wouldn't it's make probably it. probably than Richland. It probably can't. It's like that tragic childhood born such great like experience that they had to write stuff down exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) we're sheltered (laughs) uh i overall how did you like the book i liked it a lot um I was worried because when you were here and you had said that you started it you weren't really sure because the writing like writing was so different. different yeah um, but I liked it because it, again, didn't feel like a non-fiction like book. Right. It read really well as a story. Yeah, I so think even the flow of it was 100 times facts, better. It was still so beautifully put together. So it wasn't just like, this happened, this happened, this happened. It was very like fluid and well-written. And I liked the kind of... Even though it jumped, it didn't jump like our last book. Like no, I was gonna say that throughout too. different times, it all still was chronologically in order. Even though the narrator wasn't not necessarily the narrator because it's written in third person, mm-hmm. but the main focus of each portion wasn't always the same person. Because there is there's four parts, and I was a little bit worried about that, but. And we don't really get into what actually happens until the third part. You got a lot of story, a lot of uh, about the investigation, background story, characters, things like that. Um, I'm saying, but these are real people, but in the book context. Right. But you don't get until the actual crime until the very, very end of the third one. And I thought I was going to dislike that more, but I really did like it. And I think it's because you said it's written in third person. It was so much harder for me to get into. And I don't know why it was written in third person because like we said, he was there for six years, but he had a very close relationship with Perry and Dick. Very close. And we'll talk about that later. That's kind of what I was telling you. Don't Google it for, but he could have done it in the first person. So I don't know why he didn't. I think like him writing it from his perspective. I think, yeah, maybe he didn't want to see me. To me, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much because I like getting that backstory from the, like the clutters and they're just life on the farm. And I don't think that would have been the same, like coming from Truman. Like this is yep. what I heard from clutters. Like it just. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That does make sense. It was a very. And well, even like with the, point of view I think getting it from more quote-unquote their point of view makes it more personal you didn't see a bias for me as I'm reading it 
I kept wondering, like, why does it seem like he's writing Perry so, uh, I don't know, so easy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that when you were reading it? Yeah, but I, I mean, I had kind of, like, looked up the book before we even started it. So I already knew that he had, like, interviewed them and, you know, was in correspondence and all that stuff. Uh, so yeah. I, I didn't go into super detail, but I wanted to know about the book before I read it. See, I waited until after and that's why I was kind of shocked. Yeah. Like I knew it was a true crime story, but I didn't even know like the murders that it was about. Like I didn't really know anything about the book at all. Um, so I just wanted somewhat to know what I was going into. So I knew, like I said, I knew that he kind of had correspondence with them and, um, relationships, so to speak. And so it didn't really surprise me that he knew so like so much. Right. Of the, backstory and what was going on while that I mean that happening. part didn't surprise me because he did so many interviews and stuff it was just mm-hmm. my like feeling about because when we start the book he talks about the clutters and you're right he does paint a very good picture and I don't know if it's um that he's trying to make them into more characters in a book or if it just how it really was but even when I think about a typical 50s family I think about like the strong stubborn hardworking man who literally this guy literally built his whole house run yeah. ranch I think about even the disposition disposition of the wife like the weak kind of mm-hmm. something's happening she's not completely there I even that is what I think of in a 50s housewife and then the right. daughter who has to take over the responsibility and role of like raising her brother and and running the family and then a typical all-american kid for the son so literally everything was just right like a picture leave it to beaver like and he did do a good job at expressing all of that in a very short section yeah because you really are the book is the like their final day alive Mm -hmm. really and they, they obviously talk about like things right relation fast had with back with history, people, yeah. but most of the stuff we're reading and they're telling us about is really like the day and evening leading up to the night that they're murdered yeah so you he just all put so much just, character into them yeah exactly in just like a 24-hour period you know so much about the family and then the rest of the book is really about the investigation and par- focused heavily on Perry and Dick. And I thought when I was reading it that I it was kind of annoyed by it, but it does make sense for his experience of being out there. So I think I, after being done reading it, I think I appreciate that more right. that it was about them, but there was just so much that annoyed me in his yeah. writing about Perry that I just couldn't completely like love the book. I get what you're saying there, you know? Yeah. Because it like, you don't want to like root for these guys. It's not even that because I understand his connection with him. I read in an article was about how they had like not great childhoods. So right. I understand getting backstory and kind of, um, I think this book does a really good job of making you guess second guess if there is even a debate between nature and nurture because Dick had nurture and yeah. Harry had nature And like one, they both ended up doing this horrible thing. Dick's family Mm -hmm. was fine and loving and strong and backed him until the end. And Perry's was fucked up and his mom ran off and took the kid. It was a whole thing. Uh, And they both ended up doing the same thing. They both ended up in that 
that room kind of ish right so he does a good job at that i don't remember what the fuck we were talking about that that was my point uh oh his connection the reason why he connected so much was the bad childhood so Mm -hmm. i get that and it doesn't seem like he connected as much with dick in their interviews so when he's writing dick even when he writes did you google them like what they look like yeah so they're not bad looking dudes. Like they're not amazing. No. But when yeah. before I waited until the end, I was like to like wait till the end to do, research anything about it because I want to go into it and just read the book. Um, I thought by his description of Dick that he was like this misshapen. He even says like his head is like half of an apple or something like that. I don't remember. Well, the yeah, because like, it's well, not yeah, like- he, a little bit, but he talks about it like it completely disfigured him. And the dude is right. still a fine looking. Yeah, dude, like it's like his one eye is a little bit sunken yeah. in. Yeah, like his face is a little bit slanted, but it's nothing. I'm like, Truman, if he's not your type, he's not your type. I understand that. (laughs) But he wasn't a horrible looking guy. I think he just didn't connect as much. Have you seen, like, full body pictures of Perry Smith? I don't think I've seen full body. I No, I was just, like, really curious because they obviously talk about, like, his legs because he was, like, right dwarfism or something. I don't know. They always just say, like, his dwarf legs. So I don't know if he had a form of dwarfism. Oh, I don't remember reading that. Um, I remember that he had he had fucked up legs because of his motorcycle yeah. accident. But they were apparently like look like like short. Like I remember he, he really was short. Yeah, I remember he was short. Um, but in the pictures that I saw, he didn't look as like he didn't look much shorter than. I think he was like five four. I think he was just a little bit taller than us. I also really thought that they were in some kind of relationship in the beginning of the book. Yeah, that I and that I kind of googled too because I was like, is. Is this, are, is it a gay love story too? Like a right. love story, like Bonnie and Clyde, but right. homosexual. Um, but I didn't really, Dick, I don't think was, I think Perry might've been. He, the way he writes Perry in the beginning is that he's super in love with Dick. But then well, towards, really with Willie J. Willie J, yeah. But then he does say like something about him being attracted to him in this way. But then towards the end, he brings up some girlfriends or some things like that. I think Dick or Perry might have been like not into anyone. Yeah, maybe more like asexual. Yeah, yeah. Or he might. And what gay. I was gathering, because at one point he said something about like the perfect life, like finding a wife and having kids, and all. He's like, "That's what like I would like to have." But to me, it made it seem more like because that's what he's supposed to have, not right because exactly. That's what he's actually like wanted to be happy he just knew that's what society expects from people mm-hmm. um, especially like a man like you gotta buckle down and take care of your family yeah so i think yeah maybe you're right that maybe he didn't really have sexual type feelings for anybody i think but. it was just fucked up in the head honestly one thing that is a big part of their building of the characters in or I keep saying characters and it feels weird. Um I guess background, building of the background is how they talked about Dick's IQ being 130 right. and over like, like ab- above that's way over average. The shit he did was not smart. No. Them continuously tracking back to Kansas and them like oh my god, I know. Like, leaving a trail of everything everywhere. 
I get it's the time, so it's not like they can track them by their cell phones. Like the time is set. Right. It's pretty easy yeah, to disappear. Back literally to where you like the state you committed these crimes in. Exactly. It's so like, easy to right disappear by where you stay were disappeared. Like don't exactly. pop keep popping up because that's how. And you then they go caught. to Las Vegas where where they're actually cut. Yeah. Like you guys are not thinking this through. No. It was very all of it was stupid. Listen, don't don't kill anyone ever, but especially if not if you're going to keep doing stupid shit. Like Yeah. It's very exactly. weird to me that he's so intelligent but doesn't Maybe it's the book smart thing. Like where they're Yeah. And also like arrogance. I don't think he he truly believed that no one knew it was them. Right. You're right. They, one didn't think they left any evidence, which they left very little. And then he didn't think that the prison rat, what's his, Wells, was going to. Yeah. Floyd Wells. So truly, yeah. So he truly thought that it was the perfect score, as he, you know, likes to call it. He really thought he was going to get away with murder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but again no it's not smart but i think that <laughs> no i think you're absolutely right i think it was his ego yes exactly and you can kind of tell he was running on ego yes That's, he was very much as someone who does not have a lot of confidence that level of confidence in other people blows my mind yeah but I think that truly comes from from his life of having it pretty easy uh, up until he started doing dumb shit and getting in jail. Like he mm-hmm. had a pretty decent life. So when you live that kind of life, it blows my mind because his the pretty much the things he got caught for was like writing bad checks. Yeah, and like you know, not that it's these small things. You're still breaking the law, but to go from you know fraudulent checks to burglarizing robbing and murder well i mean we have to talk (laughs) about the fact that he's a fucking pedophile because that comes up out of nowhere by the way you're reading the book and you get to one part where they're confessing about it and oh by the way he's a pedophile and perry thinks that a strong motivating factor is that he knew that nancy was going to be in the house right so which is very It kind of admits to in his letter to the psychiatrist, right? Doesn't oh, he? yeah, yeah, he does. Um, that he knew she was going to be there. And that's one of the reasons he didn't turn around when they almost turned around. Right. Because the drive to rape her was so strong. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's pretty much. And you kind of pick up on it because when they're in Miami, Perry sees right. him like talking little girl. Like, I think that's 12. when it's first mentioned is in yeah, Miami. Yeah, that's really, uh, yes. And like. Yeah, that's when it's first mentioned, and then, like, it's confirmed with Perry says something about it when he first confesses, and then Dick writes about it in the letter to the psychiatrist. But, yes, he is a pedophile. A surprise. I mean, not surprise, but surprise. And his wives were really young. Yeah. But, I mean, his first wife, he he was was young. Right, he was young when he married his first wife. Yeah, so that's not bad, like huge of an age difference. Yeah, but then six, when he married his second one, she was still the first age of the age exactly. of the first one. Exactly. She was 16 and he was not 19 anymore. Yeah. So. Like, yes. Makes sense. Exactly. So obviously something wasn't all there with him. No. In general. Because, he, like you said, he's a pedophile. 
Yeah. Again, just an egotistical, felt like he had the right to do anything he wanted to do. Dick being a dick. Uh. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> as long as you make yourself happy, whatever. <laughs> I make myself very happy. Okay. All right. All right. So you had mentioned about Floyd Wells. Yes. The cellmate. Um, we were talking about Dick's dumb crimes that landed him in jail. And when yeah. he's in jail, he meets Perry, but he also meets Floyd Wales. Wait, yes. let's start that well. again. He also meets <laughs> Floyd Wells. <laughs> yeah. And Floyd Wells is the only connection between these two random ass dudes and this family that leads them to be murdered. And I think that's yes. so crazy. I know that there's so, yeah, just like one person. That's what I kept thinking as like, while I'm reading it, I was like, this was so one pointless as we'll get to, but two like, so like one in a million mm-hmm. because these people have never met, never like they wouldn't even have known about, the clutter family if it hadn't have been for this one man in prison this one man who he was working for the clutters way back when yeah way but so my question is how did he not know that well how did he not know that mr clutter didn't carry cash because that's literally stated six times before we even get to anything yeah Um, how did he not know that he doesn't carry cash and then there's not a safe there well Floyd test i think it's when he testifies they like ask him about the safe and he's like well i couldn't remember if it was a safe i knew there was a cabinet and i think because it had been so long yeah but maybe still he if he never different. pays you with cash if he That's never pays his bills true. with cash like it was very very, very uh put it into the book that he doesn't pay anything not mm-hmm. the life insurance policy that he had gotten yeah, like everybody knew that he nothing didn't in cash that. People that barely knew him knew that. It was just this thing. And then they died for nothing. There's a point in his confession where Perry is talking about how he was looking for things. And in Nancy's purse was a a dollar coin, I guess, back then. And it rolled off. And he's on his stomach trying to reach this coin. And he's thinking how crazy it is to him, the person who's doing the crime, that they're they came there looking for money and now he's literally scrimping up every he's on his stomach reaching for this coin for a dollar. Yeah. And, and at no point up until at any point up until they literally killed the entire family, they could have stopped. They went to turn around once and then they came right back and didn't. Yeah. So you're continuously making choice, even in that, part where he's reaching for the dollar he says he wants to go outside and like separate himself from it he wants to walk Mm -hmm. right way right then and never come back you always have those choices i don't understand what makes you keep going i guess and that never really he gets a little bit truman Capote gets a little bit of it from perry but None of it completely made sense to me why they continued to go when it was very clear at some point during this crime there's no cash yeah. Or Dick's insistence going in that he didn't want to. Said what so many people of the community said about Mr. Clutter, that he was trustworthy. Like, you knew just by looking at him, he was telling the truth. Like, mm-hmm. the man was just an all-around good person. And Perry even says that. 
Because when they wake up Mr. Clutter, because they can't find the safe, they go and wake him up to show them the safe. And he's like, I don't have a safe. I don't carry cash. Like, right. This this isn't what's going on here. I don't have any of that. And Perry said, like, he believed him. You could tell that he was like, you, you could tell by his face, like, he was a trustworthy man. So I think it was pretty obvious from the moment they woke, I think even before that, but they didn't really want to believe it. Right. Then I think they really knew once they woke up Mr. Clutter that what they were doing was completely pointless and they fucked up big time (laughs) because they weren't getting $10,000. Right. So let's go back to Floyd Wells and he was, he's a prisoner in there with Dick and Dick has it in his mind that he's going to pull this perfect job and they're just going to set sail the whole theme of it really was weird to me it seemed like they were trying so hard to do the easiest way trying so hard to like get this one big hit and then they were going to live life amazing and lavishly lavishly and 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 all of that effort could have been put into actual work but whatever I guess that's how he literally I was after Perry was paroled that he started rooming with Wells. Right. So, so Wells he knows Perry didn't even know each other. But then Wells tells him about the Clutter family and Dick just gains this interest in them. And he, Floyd says that he asks him questions about them, how many people would be in the house, just all these mm-hmm. things with all this information. At first he was like, oh, maybe I'll go work for him. Then he started to, you know, divulge his true plans. Yeah, and he picks Perry because Perry had told him a story about killing a man. It's very, yeah. very clear that it was black man by the number of times they say Negro. Yeah. But they tell him that he's he had told Dick that he had um, killed this man. So instantly mm-hmm. when he thinks of someone to do this crime with, he thinks of Perry. Yeah. So when they're both out, they Dick writes to Perry. And they mm-hmm. set on this journey of fucked upness together. This yeah. weird road trip murder plan together. And it's even more crazy because the only reason Perry even goes back to Kansas, because on his parole, like when he gets paroled, that's one of the conditions. He's not supposed to return to Kansas. Right. And you're obviously not supposed to keep in contact with criminals. Um, people yes exactly that you you know have been in jail criminals and this other man that perry knew in prison willie J, who he had this love for was supposed to be released that day and it was the only reason that he even agreed because he was hoping to see willie J. but willie J left from the same bus stop that he came in on that morning so so many things if you changed one little thing if he had yeah. seen Willie J, none of this would happen. If the dude in the cell had remembered that he didn't, Herb didn't carry cash, none of this would yeah. happen. If they had keep, exactly. kept going, when they get to the house after the strange road trip, knowing that they're going to commit this murder, they get to the house and they turn around because they think yeah, and they do turn right. around at first. They Dick says that uh, in the story, it's said that Dick is driving down the road to right. leave, and then they change their minds and they go back. That so if they if you change just one little thing, like none of this would happen. And that's so that's weird and crazy, but it's also scary as fuck to me. Like any one little thing could mean the difference of your life. It's weird. And I think it's wonderful that they didn't do this, but it also kind of also proved a little bit of 
arrogance and stupidity, the clutters had employee living on the farm. Right. And the house was a distance away, but it was still on the property. They could see the house from where they parked. So it wasn't, it was a very windy night. So the shots weren't heard. And the family had a baby that was sick and up and crying. So there's obviously reasons that the gunfires weren't heard, but they knew that people were in there because they said they had seen the lights go on and off like two or three times just as they were parked. Mm -hmm. So for them to not want to leave any witnesses that they didn't go um, to that house, like I said, it's wonderful that they didn't because uh, no more innocence life needed to be taken. Right. Uh, they really could have left an eyewitness, but I, I think they knew that nothing was heard because they did check, but it just also is like, well, maybe they were just, you know, acting like they didn't hear anything because they obviously know that the family was getting murdered. So right. what are they going to come in like after they heard four shotgun blasts come be like, Hey, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. They probably had weapons. It's Kansas, you know, they were hunters. <laughs> When I was reading it, I was just kind of like, okay, that's kind of ballsy. Like, yes, obviously, no, they didn't see anything. But in my mind, I'm like, hmm, you guys don't want to leave any witnesses, but you know, there's people in this house. Very true. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. I'm glad, they, I'm glad they left them alone. So they get there and they go through um, the office, look for yeah, the safe. There's, yes, there's. Can't find the safe. And like you said, mm-hmm. they went to wake up Mr. Clutter. And he's like yes. confused about what the fuck yeah. is happening. Yeah, explains they ta- they actually take him back to like search for the safe, and he mm-hmm. there's no they safe to have. Through. And in that time, Perry asks him about the telephone, and he goes oh, and yeah. he cuts the telephone wire in the kitchen um, just to make sure. Which so. is one of the when they were found, it was something that yeah. like freaked people out the most. Mm-hmm. Which I guess being back then, right now, I can't understand it because it's cell phones. Like, yeah, but. <laughs> Back then, literally, they're cutting you off from having any chance of getting help. And as we're, like, learning about this place that they live, this farm they live in, just the town in general, it's not like there's neighbors right next to them. They had the employee living on the farm, but other... Even that, yeah, I looked at pictures of... Yeah, it was, like, 100 yards away or something, it said. Yeah, I looked at pictures of the property. Football field away. So it's not like it was super close by any means and then after that there wasn't neighbors for like a mile it's not like it was very isolated so yeah when you cut that telephone line there's no way really to be saved at that point because there's a very good chance that even if you try to escape you're gonna get found before you reach another that's true you're risking running off and yeah having them chase you exactly like you don't really know the outcome at that point now we have cell phones, so it's a little bit different for us. It is. It seems very. The whole reading it really did put you like back there. Yeah. He did like drag you in really well in writing it, and I thought I was going to be more annoyed with the back and forth, but I liked how he would write a section about something yeah. and then switch to I another. I think it made a lot of sense with who he had be the focal point mm-hmm. of what we were reading and when we were reading it. Yeah. Um, no, he did. He knew obviously. when he knew how to write, obviously. Yeah. And then is it when Perry goes to cut the telephone wire that he notices Nancy? Oh, they hear, they hear something. Yeah. Perry hears yeah. something, uh-huh. and like, it actually comes back later because when they're they're all found, uh, she had a watch or something. She had some kind of jewelry yeah. that she hid, so she knew 
it's so it, hers and the mom's no all three of them everyone but the dad because oh. i can kind of understand the dad but the mom the daughter and the son their reaction to stuff is just so human because after perry cuts the wire they go up to mrs clutter's room they had slept separately and mm-hmm. he wakes her up and she's kind of just pleading with her husband to tell them that they don't have any like make them go away. Her up, he does it so sweetly and trying not to scare her he's trying to be very calm and like being like, and then people say, had said about him later, like, if he knew that his life was in danger, he would have fought. There's no yeah. way. So he's just trying to, like, stay calm and, like, not escalate the situation. Exactly. And her moment of panic and sheer terror and, like, looking to him because it seems like she always looked to him to fix things. And he just couldn't do that for her. And that was heartbreaking to me. So then they're in the bathroom. They get locked in the bathroom because apparently you can lock the bathroom from the outside. And apparently that was a thing back then. Then they go to get, then they go and get the son and he's just laying in his bed awake, terrified and not moving. And I just thought like that, that would probably be, I would just want to wish it away. I would want to lay in bed and like pretend like it's not happening at all. Mm -hmm. And that was so real and so honest. The reactions, like the, this whole thing um, is why I'm glad that he got the interviews with them because he got more insight into what their last night was exactly. like. Exactly. We actually got to see what they went through yeah. and like with them. And-, and the way he writes it, you can just identify with every part of it. So then the son is locked in the bathroom and they go to get Nancy and she's kind of joking it off. Yeah, she's trying to like she's trying to oh. act like it's not kind of like her dad, but in a more like charming way to kind of make that the people who are pointing this gun at her or whatever they were doing feel more at ease and try yeah. and smooth it all exactly. over. Oh, we don't, this isn't a big deal. Everything will be fine. Just, yeah. Well, go and ahead, that, take what you can take and go on. We'll go on with our lives too. Like they didn't want to, like for me, Nancy and Herb were just trying to, Herb were just trying to be like, okay, like it's okay. Do Everything's okay. This mm-hmm. is going to end and everything will be fine afterwards. Like, Nobody, I think Ken, Kenny um, and Mrs. Clutter were just shocked. Like, they, yeah, To me, they showed more scared emotions than Nancy mm-hmm. and Mr. Clutter. And as fucked up as it is, I'm, I don't I want nothing from Perry, but I'm glad that he at least had some kind of sense to keep Dick away from her because he keeps talking about how he kept dick by his side the whole time and like brought him with him right. so that he, he didn't have time he, to rape he her that. Yeah. dick was dick had some motives there so at least she had a little bit of peace in that i mean yeah, i'm sure she picked up on it like she said that he was in the room alone with her asking her questions or something like that i'm sure she picked up on it and was afraid for that oh, completely i would be yeah both of them but especially in that situation where you're like alone mm-hmm. that is probably would be my biggest fear <laughs> yeah um, no but they do go from the bathroom to each them being mrs clutter's tied in her room dancy's tied in her room mr well, clutter, clutter first oh right mr clutter is down in the boiler room mm-hmm. then they tie the sun on the couch in the playroom which is downstairs in like the basement yeah then they tie Mrs. Clutter. Yeah, then they either tie Mrs. Clutter or Nancy. Then they, um, and then when they're confessing, when they're oh, eventually sure. caught, Perry, Dick tells his story first. Dick has no, like, ride or die about him. Dick is just fucking over it, I guess. I don't know. Dick flips so fucking fast. He said that, like, he, bl- he thought that Perry 
would be the one to wrap. Yeah, because he's up. all talking no balls. Because and I then learned the one who actually confessed first, and then right. Mary only because he's like, "Well, fuck you! I'm going to tell them that you're also a pedophile." <laughs> So then he, but Perry says that Dick had murdered Mrs. Clutter and Nancy and that he yeah. had murdered Mr. Clutter and the brother, Kenan, Kenan, however you say his yeah, name. I know I so that we don't know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't find out until later that it's actually Perry had murdered all four, which strikes me so crazy. And when I read it, I was genuinely shocked because, because this whole time, we're getting better pieces, better views of Perry than we are Dick. Right. Yeah, we and, don't hear from Dick's point of view that right. often. It's only and we're, we're getting all of Dick's, like, bravado, all his leave no mm-hmm. witnesses and I can do this, I'll do it by... He says it to Perry when they're about to turn around. You don't think I'll go in there and do it by myself, but I'll do it by myself. It was very genuinely shocking to me when he admitted that he did all four because at this point, you kind of see Dick as a cold-hearted person and Perry yeah. with some kind of moral compass in there somewhere. Right. But he had none. And that just like yeah. genuinely shocked me. Yeah. I know because like in a sense he does because he didn't want Dick to rape Nancy. And right. Well, he says he's just, it's not even about Nancy though. When no, he it's that he, he doesn't. Yeah. He says he's, he's like disgusted with people who can't fight their sexual urges or whatever, <laughs> which also leads yeah. me to think he's asexual or something. Or but, just deep homophobic and uh, disgusted with himself. If he is. Amen uh, to that. Homophobic. Yeah. It could be just the product of the culture of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Deeply rooted hate in himself. Um, but so it's not even concern for Nancy. It's not even protection or or worry about no, their wall. It's really not. But then also he's the one who lays down the mattress box for Mr. He does, Clutter. Yes, he does. Things he's the one who puts the pillow now. under the brother's head so he doesn't cough. He tucks Nancy in. I don't even think like even he says up until the moment he actually does the murder, he doesn't want to do it. And I truly think that is the case. You think? Then what? What do you think? pushed him over the edge i couldn't there was nothing i could think of that would because i got that feeling too that he because he kept saying he wanted to leave i just don't know when it stopped being i don't want to be a part of this to i'm going to kill i know because in all this time he was he even said like oh i kept saying like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it hoping that dick would stop me and then he didn't and i did it that's like pretty much what happens which i think is one of the downfalls of of Truman getting closer to Perry because I don't think he dug too hard into that part of it. Cause it probably made Perry uncomfortable or like he didn't want to talk about right. it that much. I don't, we don't have a whole lot there in that section. So it's very confusing. There was a big discussion about whether Dick should be hanged like at the end yeah. of the book, right. um, whether because he didn't kill anyone, but I think right. absolutely he is as equally without him. Yeah. I think they both have the murder. same amount of guilt um, because at that point, you could have stopped Perry. Um, you would have been able to, but you were, you know, too chicken or whatever, however you want to say it. Um, maybe you wanted him to do it because you wanted it done and you didn't have the balls. Yeah, I think Either that's way, probably... you allowed them to be killed. It was your plan. That was literally what you were saying you were going to do. You said you were going to go in there and, like, kill this family. And then you also, like, didn't tell anybody. You were trying to get away with murder. So it's like, if you really felt all these feelings, 
you could have been like, hey. I think the reason that it shocked me that it was Perry was because if you remember in the second part, part two, they're they keep cutting back to them after they murdered. At this point, we don't have any information on the murder. We jump from the night of to the next day where right. is worried about being caught. And Dick's like, I think it went great. I think, you know, yeah. uh, besides the small snafu that we didn't get very much money, uh, right. I think it went great. So even his actions afterwards, I think that's probably why it shocked me because Right. It was still running with it in my mind or how it was written right. as if it was his idea his planning he thinks it went great like it he very much deserved to hang yeah i know it's crazy because to me like dick went in there with the intentions to kill exactly and perry perry didn't so perry how did he end up being the one to kill, to kill but then like it yeah and then it switched i'm very and- lost and confused in that and i don't i don't love it I think that's part of what was missing for me in this book. Um, I think that's part of the bias that I was talking about that you see. I think right. he did lean mm-hmm. towards the comfort of Perry over getting the actual like truth about it. He didn't want to push too far. He didn't, you know. Uh, but I mean, he did say that there was. I think. I think though that in that instance, I can see. I don't want to say that that is the case because we don't know. But they talk about how Perry had so much anger towards people in general. And although it wasn't the Clutter family that he felt any anger for, he oh, said yeah, they, they do say yep. it was essentially wrong place at the wrong time because now all this, the rage that he felt had always been there. And I think he saw an outlet for it. Right. He um, does say uh, they just get out to be the people, people to pay for it. Exactly. So I can understand how that could have been the, the trigger. Like, however guess, you want to yeah. He also could have felt like jealous because look at this happy family with this beautiful home and these great people. And then look at his home life and the life he grew up in. Maybe there was some deep seated like jealousy there as well. And the life he could have had, but never had who there could be a thousand reasons. Um, You just went into some real criminal mind shit, Sarah. (laughs) Dr. Spencer Reed. No, I think you're right. I just don't, I didn't love the way that part of it. I mean, I, I have to love everything about books to yeah. enjoy them. It just wasn't, it wasn't that great. And there definitely is flaws in this book. I'm not, mm-hmm. when I said I really enjoyed it, I didn't mean it was this perfectly written. You could definitely, like you said, see biases. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was looking it up after there, people said some of the stuff was a little bit more exaggerated for storytelling reasons and which makes sense because it is a book. Like, yes. Yeah. So then they're caught and we get the trial, which was interesting yeah. to me because it's not like the trials today. No, I agree. It first they like had to have like public defenders because they obviously don't have any money to hire their own, but they state that even if it's like a public defender, they still do actually try their best to defend the person uh like with justice and without bias and do their due diligence as a lawyer but i think like in this case it's hard because like you you have almost like no grounds i think they knew for sure what the outcome of the case was going to be well yeah they say they state that they're literally just fighting against the death penalty yeah it wasn't exactly. it but i think even then they knew they were grasping at straws um because as unbiased as you hope your jury is, I think in this situation, I don't necessarily th- think they had a fair trial. 
It's interesting because um, there's a part in the book that a newspaper had printed off that the world had moved on outside of Kansas and to them it was nothing, but inside of Kansas, it was everything. So there wouldn't have been anywhere in the state for them to get a, a fair trial. And I, and I understood what the defense lawyers were saying. They felt if they were going to do it, garden city would probably be the best place to do it because they felt that that would be one of the few places that wouldn't agree to the death penalty. Right. Um, they said they were more they liberal. Were exactly. Um, using that term lightly, of course. Right. <laughs> um, we're talking 1950s liberal, which is like, <laughs> if you don't, you know, if you don't it lay down in the missionary position when you have sex, then you're, you're liberal. <laughs> so <laughs> we're talking more liberal. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the only thing I could um, kind of say like agree with in the fair trial sense, because it was a, you, it was a biased jury, but like you said, I think anywhere it would have been a biased jury. I don't think anywhere they would have had um, that. And it, that's just, it's as a human, that's one of the things, like, I think it's great that America lets the people take part in the court and dealing with that, but it's also scary because we are humans and humans there are, are times where it's hard to put your bias like behind because when you're sitting on a jury you're supposed to listen to the facts and the evidence and you're not supposed to let your emotions make the decision for you which the facts and the evidence i'm not saying they're not guilty right no yeah um, i understood what they were saying um with the outcome of the case but i also think like you said it probably would have been the same outcome in kansas regardless of what city they were in and I think it has to do with uh, the type of crime and like, because this was a big thing to happen in such a small, what they right. considered safe place. No one feels safe about it. No one, it like, cha- it literally changed the way they operated. They started locking their doors. They had more fear. Of course, they're going to want to like retaliate and, and get right. kind of, I think some of their um, safety back by being yeah. in and retaliation. And it was this figure of the community. Yeah. Like everybody only had wonderful things to say about the Clutter family, especially Mr. Clutter, so that it could happen in general, but then it happened to them, which they've also said the fact that it happened to the Clutters was one of the scariest things of all because it was the last people you'd expect to be murdered. I think that caused a lot of fear too, because like who would, who would want to hurt these people? Right. Right. They said they said it created a lot of tension and suspicion in their own community, and and that probably made people angry. It probably yeah. made them pissed off that there was, you know, not only did you come in and do this thing, but you also created something, shifted things around, and now we're seeing things in a different way that we don't necessarily like the light we're seeing them in. Right. So yeah, I do. I people are valuable, and they they make decisions based on emotion. So the the basis of a jury while it seems like a very good idea on principle is not always how you want it to go. But it's also a good thing. People can choose if they want a trial by jury or a trial just by the judge. Um, This is true. Choices, you know, that's freedom. America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have flaws. Okay. We're working on that. (laughs) At least we hope we can be working on yeah, so they have their trial. They're obviously yeah. found guilty, obviously sentenced to death. Um, I, I did find it interesting that 
the death penalty had been banned for a time in Kansas and with criminals like Bonnie and Clyde, it had been brought back into um, being used. I thought that was interesting. I'm very interested in, I don't like we, we've talked about it before. I can't say if I'm for or against the death penalty, I honestly can't. In some situations, I think, yes, absolutely do it. And others, I'm like, in, in, in mentality, I think I'm like, yes, do it. But then in practice, if I were to actually have to sentence someone I to get death, with I don't think I could. Like, emotionally, it. you could right. understand people would, right. uh, should be. So I do think, but I think the history of the death penalty is interesting in every yeah. uh, since it's been used, I think it's very interesting how people go back and forth on it, how states and laws and the manner of how they're put to death, the hanging to me. Yeah, that was, I know, I felt like hanging like had stopped before right. the sick Yes. I think they had moved on to more humane ways to execute people. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I was like, dang, um, it's the sixties. It seems yeah. especially brutal because they call it the big yeah. swing or something like that. Uh, yeah. Doesn't sound fun. Yeah, they're saying like the gallows. And when you think of the gallows, you think of this like archaic thing. Right. I think that yeah. our mind instinctually wants to do that. Cause like I was thinking about this with racism, you instantly want to go to those black and white photos. Cause it was just, uh, the anniversary of uh, Ruby Bridges, who was yeah. the little girl who's segregate, uh, desegregated into, and she's awesome. younger than Nick Scamma. Like she, I saw a picture I, of her. She's so when young, you but it, her pictures are black and white. And I think yeah. your mind wants to put as much distance between. Yeah, what, she's awful. Yeah, so <laughs> I think your mind um, and society and the government want to put as much distance. Also, like, I don't remember the exact numbers. I did not write them down, but when the they are on death row and we're reading about that um they say something like 140 people were on death row and five of them were in kansas yeah and that like because i feel like there's 140 like how many people are on death row in this day and age probably a lot i was gonna say isn't it way more than 140 yes no but that has to do with our corrupt system and how and that's what i was privatized are um and now people aren't they were on death row for a while but they're and i'm sure it's the case with a lot of people their lawyers are filing appeals and they're trying to get them off they were on death row for five years there are people who are on death row for like decades yeah right because again i think it, there is something good they say that uh this case specifically there was a lot of extra time in between when they were sentenced and when they actually died because at that time they were kind of doing it quickly um but I think, like you said, they didn't have a fair trial, and there was more evidence that they didn't have a fair trial, so it right. took the appeals process longer. Uh, but which I think they rightfully so got the mm-hmm. appeals that they needed. Um, I think that, like I said, the right decision of guilty for both of them was made. But I think that you know, unfortunately, everyone, even brutal murderers, do have a right a fair trial. Yes. Um, it's something I'm very salty what about, thing. but yes, you're right. Everyone, this is, I think the way that everyone and what the lawyers and then the new lawyers who felt that the old lawyers didn't do due process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it all worked out fairly in that case. Um, I think the right people heard it, the right, and the right decisions came to it, came from it. So and now we're up to uh, when they, actually do get hanged this is and i think you 
you might know this. This was a surprise I was talking about, what I wanted you to know. But you might know it because you said you Googled it. Um, so Truman Capote was there when they were hanged. And oh, he was, was he there? He was there when they were hanged. Dick was hanged first. Yeah. He stayed for Dick's, but he couldn't make it through Perry's. He walked out before Perry was killed, which I think shows yeah. his connection with Perry, how deep of a connection he had with him. Uh, I was literally shocked to find that out. Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense because the way he describes all the details of the hangings. Right. And then he does just cut. He goes That's through true. Dick's, um, everything that happened, how far, how long it took for him to be pronounced dead. Yeah. And then he just writes, and then Perry fell, followed after, which makes complete sense to me now. Right, because if he didn't witness it. But how, like, I just want you to think about the fact that this man set out to write a book and got so... In I don't know. In it. It's almost human nature. Um, no, but I mean, you're... besides that, he got so involved in it that he was actually there at their death. Oh, like, yeah. He did an interview where he was talking about how he was writing this book and it needed an ending, but the ending would have to be that these men were dead and he had this bond with them. So he obviously didn't want them to die. So he was in such a weird place. Yeah. Did you know that this was the last book that he ever wrote? It was the last book he ever finished. I think he yeah. started other things he's never. So I think that says something that this experience. It took a lot out of him. Yeah. yeah. That's so but, crazy to me. And again, like it is hard to think about because you think if you're sitting there like speaking to this man that you know m- brutally murdered four people for no reason um, and his partner that helped, uh, you wouldn't form like a bond. See, I'm opposite. But- I think I I, would form a bond. And and that's what I was going to get at. But I think what, especially in the amount of time that he was there and talked to them. And uh, I think it'd be hard not to. I think that most people, normal people with normal functioning, not normal. That's such an awful thing. But everyday people with functioning emotions. I don't think you could sit across from someone and see them and not see the person that is there. Even though they committed right. these acts, you're it's still a human being. So I think it'd be and hard not that to they, be. And again, we know more of Perry's side, but Perry does have that like blurred line of is, does he is does he have morality like this and that? Mm-hmm. So I think that also maybe why he was closer to Perry because there was more of a human side to him than from what we know of Dick. I don't really know. Right. I think it's just what we know of Dick, though. I think there's probably. But I think that what we know of Dick, for the most part, is probably the truth. But I mean, like, because take his his letter that we did read to his. Yeah. To the um, there was a person who was trying to see if they were mentally uh, like had the mental capacity to stand trial and if they Mm -hmm. knew right from wrong and all that. Um, I think he showed a different level, a different side of himself, a different level yeah. of awareness in like admitting right. that he's a pedophile and right. showed more like emotions than we had seen. Yeah. I just think that um not that I I don't like Dick at all and I definitely think uh he's a dumpster of a human person, but I do think we just get more of a biased opinion about Perry. Uh, yeah. Perry. I think he Yeah. We yeah. Get more of and his again, story yeah. and more of his yeah, we know so much about him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the Nancy thing. Like, we know so much about her. We feel closer to her than we necessarily might her brother. Right. And, like, 
in that sense, it's the same. We know more about Perry. So we can kind of dig into his brain a little bit more than we can Dick's because we don't hear from Dick's side as much. And that's the end of the story, basically. Basically. Um, you think you would recommend it to someone? I do, if you're into uh, true crime. I think and, to read uh, it as the original true crime book, like, yeah. I think you have to, if you're going to read true crime, I think you have to read it. I think it's a very interesting story. It's emotional. Um, the whole time I just kept thinking, even though it happened years and years and years ago, like, why did this have to happen? Just go back, turn around. Like, right. you know, I felt very connected to the Clutter family. Um, so I was, I obviously knew that they were murdered. It's huh. the, the story, but I felt very sad. Um, what, especially when it did happen. Yeah. And I, I think the retelling that lady murder, because I knew that I didn't obviously know the whole thing of how it happened. Right. Um, when we hear Perry's full confession, but the whole time leading up to it, I was just like, I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. Right. So I felt very emotionally involved in the story. More so with them. Um, I didn't have as much emotions for the perpetrators. Uh, it was interesting to hear what was going on in the planning of it and then how the, them escaping and all that. It was interesting. It was cool. It was, it was a story. Yeah, it was a complete exactly. story. It was a complete story but i didn't feel any like emotional attachment to them you know i wanted them i'm not a believer of capital punishment but again i knew that they were hanged so i already knew that outcome but i definitely wanted them to get the justice served (laughs) yeah i didn't love the third person i didn't love Mm -hmm. uh which kind of worries me for the next one because i think that's written in third person too i'm not sure um more than Maybe likely. that's just not my preferred reading style, but I think I definitely got more invested, I'll say, in the second half of the book than the first right. half. Once we do read what happened to them, yeah, it kind of made them more real and in my face because we don't have any – we have their background story for that night and like a little bit about them as a family, but then we don't have any information until he confesses. So it's kind of like right. – were more on this journey with the killers and it wasn't my right. favorite thing. So I kind of yeah. checked out for a little bit, but then once we got like the details of the night, I connected a lot more and it made yeah. everything else seem more real, I guess. So yeah, I'm definitely glad I stuck it out and we did it. Me too. I am too. This was definitely. I'm so, I just so scared to jump into this realm of true crime novels, which like I mentioned in our first episodes, but I'm honestly glad that, I've branched out and yeah. now, now I've read a total of two. <laughs> so I could say I'm an expert. Uh, you know, I own a copy of Helter Skelter and thumb through it, but you know, okay. I know everything about true crime. <laughs> I thought I was super cool in high school because I owned the copy of uh, Kurt Cobain's like suicide notes and stuff. That book that can't, I can't think of it now. I thought it was so cool for having yeah. that because let's face it. I have the opinion that he did not kill himself. So I was like, that's definitely true crime. So I thought that I had gone into it before and right. I had not. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. I don't think but I was uh, prepared for the terror that comes along with actually reading it. I think you, like I said before, experience it a completely different way when you're reading yeah. it. Even listening to like the podcast that we listen to, not that it doesn't, you know, I'm like there and I'm listening to it, 
but like reading it to me, I just, maybe because I'm reading the story when I listen to an episode of a podcast, I listen to it for an hour and then it's over. Like reading a book is with me for a few days and right. we're researching it. Think, yeah, you have time to think about it. it. So I feel, yeah, I feel such a connection. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit, it's harder in that sense. I will say one of my favorite parts was closing the book being done and then researching the history behind it. It was yeah. so interesting and fascinating to me. And I was completely shocked that he was there the whole time. And I was even shocked about his uh, partner and his history with Harper Lee. I was right. like very interested about it all. Yeah. So I think it, I enjoy. Like, the whole, the as a whole is very yeah. interesting. Um, Truman Capote and the book itself. Very interesting dynamics. I'm wondering if parts of the Green Mile, because Perry makes friends with a squirrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the Green Mile, which is about a person on death row, he makes friends with a little mouse. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't talk about that movie without bursting. You don't have to. That was just the thing I was reading that like caught my mind. I was like, hmm, I wonder if Stephen King got inspiration. I mean, now you're making me want to read the Green Mile because I've never read it. I've only seen the movie. Amazing. It's very close to the movie. They did a fantastic job with the movie. I love the movie. I just then. don't know. Like I said, I, I have to be emotionally love. ready for stuff. So um, maybe that'll be my next like, because I've not seen that movie in years because it's literally the movie that makes me Oh my me God, it's like the worst, greatest movie. Like they did it so well, but it's so, oh my God, I cry like a baby. It's, it's, I'll never not cry watching that movie. I know. It's, I the first time I watched it, I was like, what was around when it first came out? So I was little. I, yeah, like, I was young. I remember. We were. And oh my gosh. When he's, when he's like talking about how tired he is, I was only like seven, eight or nine, somewhere in that span. But I felt that. I was like, I'm yeah. tired too. I was like bawling. <laughs> And when he's like telling them not to put the cover on him because he's afraid of the dark. dark. I was like, <gasps> but yeah, so I was just wondering if maybe Stephen King got some inspiration. Maybe. From that. That's, really That's a good point. Yeah. So the book we're doing next is called Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee. All right. I'm excited. I mean, so hopefully it's not um, as emotionally draining. Yeah. It's still about murder, so it probably will be, but... That's wishful thinking. And we kind of know what we're getting ourselves into with this in general. So we only have true. ourselves to blame. This is true. When- <laughs> this is true. We were like, let's do a murder podcast. <laughs> we have literally no one what? else. Another about. book about murder? <laughs> Come on. I wish I could show you my Amazon wish list because it's literally filled with, I went through and like Googled what the best true crime books were. And it's literally like a list of all of them. We're going to need the best of the best. Uh, Yeah. But I look like a psycho. Just a little. little. (laughs) All right. Well, we will see you next time when we cover furious hours. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.